to our next edition of the Dan Siegel Show, hosted by yours truly, Dan Siegel, ACC content. Spring sports are starting to approach postseason play, while in basketball and football, the recruits are continuing to pile up, and we are going to have an episode where we're going to discuss all that. Uh, Two guests today, first one will be Matt Majinski from CBB Review, and we will talk about the transfers in and out of the ACC this offseason, which teams have gained net positive based on the transfer portal results, which teams have been net negative based on the transfer portal results. And then we'll have Leighton Smith from Tuffy Talk to talk NC State football storylines and everything that has gone on there this offseason and the hype going into the season for the Wolf Pack. But like I said, spring sports are starting to approach postseason play. We've had some storylines going on this week. So we're going to start this episode with the top five weekly ACC storylines, starting with number five. The Diamond Heels take two of three against NC State. There was rain all over the forecast Friday, all over ACC baseball, really. So... A lot of like cancellations, postponements, adjusted schedules, and they moved the remainder of Game 1 of this NC State-UNC series to Saturday. They played a doubleheader on Sunday. Um, either way, UNC took Game 1 8-7 with a go-ahead ninth-inning sack fly by Mac Horvath. And, and then NC State took Game 2. 9-2 behind a complete game performance on the mound by Matt Wildeson, who had just given up five hits, struck out nine in that. And then UNC takes game three, seven to six. They went down four-nothing early, but the bullpen held up 7.1 fantastic innings for them. And UNC ends up amounting to seven runs and winning seven to six. So UNC takes the series. Both are in the middle of the pack in conference play. NC State overall still doing a bit better, but UNC is now 27th in RPI. NC State is 31st, so as of now, both should safely be in the tournament. Speaking of rivalries in spring sports, let's move on to number four. Florida State softball grabs a win over their rival, Florida improving their non-conference record to 30-0. and The third-ranked team in the country walked it off 2-1 after a Johnny Kerr home run to dead center. First time the Knolls sweep the season series over the Gators since 2006. The Knolls went on to sweep NC State next this, uh, this, this past weekend. And now it's conference tournament time, and the Knolls are the three seed. They play Virginia on Thursday, which will be the second round of the ACC softball tournament. The first round of the play-ins are Wednesday. Here's our number three storyline from this past week. Women's lacrosse is ready to begin their NCAA tournament. The field was selected on Sunday. North Carolina was the number one overall seed, so they will be one of two teams to get a first round bye and advance to the round of 16. Virginia plays USC 
and the winner will play UNC. Obviously, very tough matchup. Other ACC matchups, we have 5th-ranked Syracuse playing Fairfield, Notre Dame lining up with Michigan, Duke lining up with Hopkins, and the tournament begins on Friday afternoon. Here's our number two storyline. Men's lacrosse field is out, and there have been nothing but complaints. Two ACC teams were in the national top five, according to rankings among the polls, and that was Virginia and Notre Dame. Well, Notre Dame doesn't even make it, despite being in that top five. They didn't make the 18-team field. Virginia will play in a away game against Brown in round one, and the winner of that game plays top-ranked Maryland. And even if UVA does beat Brown, tough game. Maryland destroyed them this year, so that'll be difficult. And then many people thought Duke should have made it too, as they were 7th in the RPI, and they didn't make the field of 18 either. So ACC did not really get very good representation from the men's lacrosse selection committee, and a lot of people are unhappy about it. All right, well, on a better note, let's move on to number one. Our number one storyline from this past week in the ACC. Virginia Tech men's basketball adds a low major superstar from the transfer portal. It was Wright State transfer Grant Basile who announced on Wednesday that he will be playing for Virginia Tech this season. He averaged 18.4 points and 8.5 rebounds per game last season. A 6'9 forward who could really play at all three levels. I mean, he's just tremendous in the post, but really a stretch big. He could back up, play in the mid-range, knock down shots. He can knock down the occasional three. And I believe on the defensive end, he averaged over a block per game there too. So, moves the needle for Virginia Tech next season. They will be even more competitive in the conference. They already won the conference tournament this past week, or this past uh, season and made it to the NCAA tournament, obviously, in the process. And speaking of transfers coming into the ACC, I believe that is a perfect transition to our next segment, where we're going to bring on Matt Majinski from CDB Review. Here we go. So we are joined by our first guest of the day, Matt Majinski from our own CBB Review. Matt, appreciate you coming on. How are you doing today? Of course, anytime, and yeah, I'm, I'm doing good, so uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, today we're going to just be talking about some of the transfer portal stuff that's gone on in the ACC, obviously very, very prevalent kind of deal in college basketball, especially over the last five, even just two, three off seasons, and it's just getting exponentially more important each off season in terms of the number of transfers in the portal during the off season. so... Matt, I, I sent you this question earlier. I just wanted to start with our all transferred in ACC team. All so are the best five players essentially that have transferred into the ACC for this past off season that's going on right now. Yeah, and I'm not going. Well, actually, I'll try to go in order from one to five. Um, what I've got, but I'll start off with uh, Nigel Pack and, and Norchad Omir both coming over to. Uh, um, or Nigel Pack coming over to Miami. Um, I think that that, uh, 
you know, was probably the one of the best transfers in the entire, uh, just overall in the entire country, really, because it's a guy that already played, you know, power conference basketball in the Big 12. Um, I paused there because Kansas State, obviously, um, was having a little bit of a rough time the past couple seasons, but Nigel Pack is still a very, very talented player. So for him to come over from one power conference to the other likely won't be uh, too many adjustments he'll have to make. And then Norchad Omir, um, a guy that comes over from Arkansas State, but just a real good rebounder. And I just like the way that he plays. I think that Miami brings in those players and, and the Hurricanes did probably the best of any team in the ACC with bringing in transfers. I also like Marcus Hammond, a guy uh, from Niagara, um, a pretty big score. And I know that that's something I, I'm kind of wary of sometimes, but the fact that he's a 6'3 guard just kind of calms me down a little bit more. He's got the height. He can certainly play in in the ACC, and he's going to be on Notre Dame where I think they can really utilize him well because Notre Dame's going to need some scoring this season after what you know they had left over from last season and what the transition they're going to have coming into this year. I also like another guard, uh, Jao Atuka, coming over from Marist to Wake Forest. Um, not a lot of people know a lot about him, but he was the – MAAC Rookie of the Year, you know, didn't want to play non uh, in a small conference anymore, comes over to the ACC, and, uh, you know, he's going to join a Wake Forest team. Again, great setup. It's not a lot of pressure in Wake Forest. You know, you're overshadowed by a lot of the other big-time ACC programs. So even if it takes him a year to adjust, I think it will really work out down the line. And then Ben Vanderplas uh, coming to Virginia from Ohio. Ohio was just – a very good team last season. They're one of the mid-major teams that maybe uh, people didn't know how great they were because of, you know, all the eyes are focused on what teams do if they get to March Madness and what they do in March Madness. Obviously, Ohio doesn't fall under that umbrella, but if you were watching the MAC at all during the, the regular season, Ohio was a really good team. Ben, ben Vanderplas was a, um, a really key component of that team. So those would be my five incoming transfers. All right, so we got a three out of five player overlap. I had Nigel Pack as well, Kansas State to Miami. Over 43% three-point shooter last year. I had Ituka from Maris to Wake, another great three-point shooter from the guard spot. Um, I had Jarko Joyner from Ole Miss to NC State. He's a super senior Averaged 13.2 points per game. Not the greatest outside shooter, but a great slasher. He could get to the line at a very high rate. And he shoots free throws at 83%. So that's a great addition for NC State, who was otherwise had a pretty abysmal offseason. We'll get to that. Ben Vanderplas, I also had Ohio to UVA. He was actually named after Tony Bennett's father, Dick Bennett. The They have the whole Bennett family, Vanderplas family connection back from their Wisconsin roots. And then Grant Basile, the transfer from Wright State to Virginia Tech. This happened this past week. I just talked about him earlier. He is a average 18.4 points, 8.5 rebounds a game. Tremendous in the post. Great defender. It's coming from the low, le- low major level to Virginia Tech. That is going to be a pretty big adjustment, but he was dominant there. So... You know, we talk about all these players. I think the transfer portal acquisitions that the ACC has grabbed this offseason has been significantly better than previous 
off seasons. I feel like the issue the last couple off seasons is the other power conferences have done better in the transfer portal. They've been able to use it better, but maybe the ACC will kind of go a little bit closer to the big 12, big 10 sec level, just because this time around they've done better in the portal. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think that's a key component of it. And obviously, you know, Grant Basile, I can't leave him out. I mean, if I had to bring in a sixth guy, I could bring him in. I could maybe drop Marcus Hammond. Although Marcus Hammond, the guy that literally scored a combined 50 points in the beginning of the season against Xavier and Ohio State. So certainly a guy that is not afraid of uh, these big-time opponents. And I think that's the key here is a lot of these guys coming in play against some of the big opponents. Vander Plaas on Ohio. You know, they play good competition night in and night out. Um, obviously, I mentioned Nigel Pack as well. So, ACC is bringing in some big-time transfers. That's always going to help the conference going forward, and especially in the case like a Jao Atuko, who is literally a freshman coming in to this uh, this ACC, like guys that can be there for a, a, a while and really gel and help grow the conference. Yeah, and I feel like you said Miami <laughs> had the biggest net gain in the transfer portal. Who do you think would be the second most? In my opinion, it's Wake Forest. Forbes has previously used the portal well. Obviously, last year he got his whole core with Alondis Williams, Jake LaRavia, Davion Williamson. And this year, nobody significant is really coming out in, as, ter- as far as transfers are concerned. They get Ituka, who you talked about. They get Andrew Carr from Delaware, who me a nice little role player on the offense, got some length and versatility defensively. So I'd say second to Miami, we've got Wake Forest, the biggest winner of the transfer portal offseason. How about you? Yeah, I, uh, I'd i say Virginia, um, I think just alone getting a Vanderplas, um, a guy that will fit in their system. I mean, that's like relying a lot on one guy, but I totally see where you're coming from. Uh, you know, with Wake Forest, um, certainly bringing in, you know, big-time players as well. Um, honestly, I just think as long as a team is able to get one really good transfer, that's the key thing. I think that's better than bringing in three guys that you might not know how they're going to fit in the next season, but you're like, okay, all these guys could work out. I'd rather bring in one guy who you know is going to work out. Now, Obviously, there's other situations. Like, if you're bringing in three guys that all average like 10 points per game at their last college or more, that's really good. But I mean, okay, if you're bringing in three guys that maybe all average like six points a game, didn't play a lot at their previous college, who knows how that's going to work out. So even if a team brings in a guy that's averaged like 15, 16 at his last college, I think having that one guy is better than a subpar three. So we've mentioned Virginia a couple times, and Ben Vanderplas, you said he transfer coming in there and next year they return their entire starting lineup they've got good recruiting class coming in I feel like Tony Bennett has been his system has kind of been a victim of the transfer portal heavy college basketball environment the lack of continuity because he's brought in some key transfers over the last couple years Sam Hauser Trey Murphy Jaden Gardner those guys have been great scorers, but just in general, their team has not done as well defensively as they have in their championship year and those kind of years before the transfer portal really took off. So 
I mean, do you think that finally, just the fact that they're returning their starting lineup, get that one key recruit, is that going to make Virginia be better? And do you think Tony Bennett really has to make an adjustment to the transfer portal? I think it will make them a lot better. I think that um, it's a Virginia team and a Tony, Tony Bennett's the type of coach that I just don't think you can sleep on them at all. You can't rely on Virginia all of a sudden not going to be the Virginia that they just were for the past handful of years. I think it's, it's too good of a program and too good of a coach for you to rule out the fact that this Cavaliers team is not going to be back and better than they were last year. And how about we talked about some teams that have done better well this offseason. How about a team that has done particularly poor, which team do you think in the ACC has had the worst net loss in terms of guys transferring out and guys transferring in? It's kind of cheating. Um, because it's kind of obvious when you have a coaching change. And I think that this team is also going to be a team that does end up turning it around sooner rather than later because Kenny Payne is a very, very good coach. I think players will want to play for him, but it's too hard to ignore what Louisville lost in the offseason. You got Samuel Williamson going from Louisville to SMU, Noah Locke going from Louisville to Providence, Dre Davis, along with his brother, um, Deontay Davis, I believe, both going to Seton Hall. I should know that. Um, so you're losing transfers. You're losing an incoming recruit. Um, a couple of the other guys on Louisville ended up transferring out. I just think that that's kind of difficult when you've got a core, they transfer out, and they're all going to – I mean, these are all decent players. They were all big parts of this Cardinals program. So um, – I think Louisville definitely. But again, when you have a coaching change, it's it's expected, but you just can't ignore it. I think Louisville's a good choice. Yeah, all the points you brought up. They, they've they lost a lot of players. And maybe, I mean, the offseason's not over. So if they, I believe they've opened scholarship spots. There's still guys in the portal. But a team that has also had a terrible offseason, despite bringing in Jarkel Joyner, which I mentioned earlier, is NC State. I think it's been a disaster. I mean, not just transfer portal stuff, but Robert Dillingham, the five-star recruit, decommits. Manny Bates, Cam Hayes, Jalen Gibson are all transferring out. Uh, Jericho Hellams had an extra year of eligibility, decided not to use it. I think uh, Terquavion Smith and Darion Seabrand, I believe they're both going to the NBA. May I think Smith might be coming back. I'm not sure. But um, either way, it's just a very bad offseason for NC State, and I think Louisville is a good choice because, obviously, like you look at their roster, their changes are bad. But the the new coaching change is obviously what's really brought upon those changes. And like you said, I think Kenny Payne is in the long run going to help improve that Louisville program for sure. Um, but anything else before we go, Matt? I mean. A lot of points we brought up about the ACC and the transfer portal. Just anything in general you want to bring up before we head off for the night? I think there's one team, and it's a team close to my heart that I don't. I'm confused why they're not hitting the portal at all, and that's Syracuse. Yeah, um, I know that they brought in literally a six man freshman class, but I'm just very surprised. I have not heard one player mention Syracuse. Uh, Quincy Ballard was the closest that they had, and and he ended up not picking the orange. So I don't know what they're doing. I'm just, I'm just wondering um, 
if they are going to end up doing anything, maybe they won't because I've heard that they like the freshman class a lot, but that just sticks out to me. And I'm not just saying that because it's Syracuse. I just think it's very weird because usually the Orange bring in a transfer or two, um, yeah. and it's just very odd they haven't hit the portal. That is very weird, yeah. And But maybe it's better off because Syracuse took a significant step down last year, so kind of like regroup, get in the young guys, have them develop, and get to the tournament and make it like a multi-year process, but – We'll see. Um, Matt, thank you so much for coming on. This has been Matt Majinski from the CB Review. You guys know about that. Why don't you just plug the other stuff you got going on before you head off? Yeah, 100%. Uh, CBB Review, again, follow us. Uh, follow uh, you know our YouTube page. We have the episodes of Matt's Madness where I debate guys like Dan. we got to get you. I forget if we've had you on that yet. I think we did one, but um, we'll do another one soon. Uh, CBB Review Courtside is our podcast and then uh, yeah I'm a sports anchor and reporter at uh, News 10 NBC in Rochester New York so uh, that's the full time gig but hopefully we can uh, make it a college basketball gig going forward. Well Matt thank you so much this has been Matt Majinski from CBB Review talking about the transfer portal in the ACC So that was Matt Majinski from CBB Review like I've said and uh Appreciate him. That was some good insight on the transfer portals and some of the teams that have really done well, some of the teams that have not done well. But I think overall the ACC as a whole has done much better this offseason, like I said. So today's sponsor will be the Pipeline Discord. Come join our growing community of college football and basketball fans where we talk games, news, recruitings, predictions, and much, much more. And be sure to stop by our betting channel while you're there to maybe pick up a hot betting tip. That's the Pipeline Discord. Link is in the description. All right, now we're going to bring on Leighton Smith from Tuffy Talk. And we're going to go over some Wolfpack football storylines. Here we go. So we are now joined by our second guest of the day. That is Leighton Smith from Tuffy Talk to talk NC State football storylines as spring camp is now over. Leighton, how is it going? It's going, Dan. Thanks so much for having me on. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for coming on. I'm really excited to break down another team in the ACC as in uh, football. And NC State, we look at them. They came just a few plays short last season in the Atlantic Division of competing for an ACC uh, title game. And this year they return a mm-hmm. lot. So what is the mm-hmm. Pulse feeling like in Wolfpack Nation? From my perspective, it's been mostly positive and optimistic about the team. What have you been hearing? Yeah, no, I mean, obviously, uh, I think that anybody who has been seeing any kind of the the preseason polls or stuff like that, which obviously with all those, you got to take it with a grain of salt since we are, since at, those, at that time, it was still fairly early until the season actually came. So a lot can happen until then. But obviously, you know, you've seen some that have even had us even in the top five preseason. But, you know, I think most of them for the most part have us at least in top 10, top 15. I think anything top 15 or higher makes sense. I mean, it's a lot of excitement, but I think that honest, to be honest with you, that a lot of uh, state fans, it's kind of like, you know, for us as state fans, you're you're always kind of hesitant to really buy into the hype. Uh, But I think that, you know, it's kind of one of those things that we're just kind of having to convince fans that you're like, 
Believe it or not, our team is really is, is is should be really good this year. And if we're going to be a program that's competing consistently for an ACC championship or competing at the top of the ACC, then we're going to have to cross this bridge eventually. So you know, especially with last year, where you know Sam Howell and UNC got a lot of preseason hype and then they fell on their face, you know, for lack of better terms. And we don't want to do the same thing. So I think that's kind of goes into a lot of it too. Yeah, NC State the last two seasons they've been good, not just slightly below elite, and a lot of the reason mm-hmm. for them being so good is because of their quarterback, Devin Leary, who had another great season. 35 touchdowns to five interceptions is the most impressive stat to me. I've always considered mm-hmm. Devin Leary like an elite, elite game manager. Like, the, mm-hmm. Wolf, the Wolfpack have a very effective scheme. He executes it perfectly, gets the ball out quick onto mm-hmm. his receivers on time, pinpoint accuracy, stuff like that. So if I were to yep. ask you, Leighton, make me a pitch to the rest of the ACC why Devin Leary around the conference still needs more love, what would you tell me? Oh, that's, well, that's easy. I, I even thought of the answer before you even finished the question. So uh, I don't know if you've heard this guy before. He had a pretty good NFL career, but Philip Rivers – um, so, uh, I don't know if, uh, for those who are not, don't know this already, Devin Leary actually broke Philip Rivers single season passing touchdown record last year. And, uh, I mean, so I, I, for me, that's like, that's pretty impressive. And the fact that again, he's still coming back for another year after that. And, uh, obviously too, I feel like that because one of the things that was talked about, uh, that probably wasn't talked about enough last year was that really last year was Devin's first year really having an off season to prepare in the Tim Beck offense, because the year before with COVID, uh, he he couldn't uh, practice uh, during fall practice because of because uh, of COVID, uh, he he tested positive, so he couldn't couldn't be a part of fall practice. So um, he lost out on that. So I think that now having a second off season uh, to really get used to the Tim Beck offense, you know, learn more, gel some more with uh, uh, the wide receivers specifically. Um, I think it's just going to get better and better. And, uh, I mean, we returned three or four of our uh, our top wide receivers from last year, obviously losing to Mecca. Sure, it's going to hurt for sure, but I think that between uh, Devin Carter, Thayer Thomas, and uh, Porter Rooks, I mean, you have a pretty solid wide receiving core right there that I think, uh, you know, can get it done. And I think that Larry has a great uh, relationship with and a great trust there. Um, so, but again, he can do it all. He, just like you were saying, I mean, he's, he's very accurate. He takes care of the ball, only five interceptions for the whole season, 35 touchdowns. Um, and, uh, he is a guy that, that can play big in big situations, you know, obviously with the Carolina comeback and then, you know, beating Clemson, he did what he had to do to win the game, you know? And I think that's really what you want is you want to see your big players make big plays and big games. I think that's a, I think that's a Steve Smith quote. So, uh, and you see that with, with, uh, with this quarterback. So definitely very excited to see what Devin can do, but I, I definitely think he should definitely be in the Heisman conversation. If you were to ask me, and that's, that's not even biased. I, I just, whenever you break a guy like Philip Rivers record, your name should be, should be focused on. That's my opinion. So we talked about Leary. You mentioned the wide receivers a little bit for me. Mm-hmm. The offensive line has kind of been a staple of the offense. Obviously, any successful offense, but the Wolfpack in particular. And they do lose Equanu, who was a top pick to the NFL draft. But we expected that all along. Maybe what was unexpected is now Mm -hmm. they return, I think, four of their five starters. And that includes Chandler Zavala, the guard, who got a surprise extra year eligibility recently. So a rare Mm -hmm. W by the NCAA, I guess. 
and a quality center in mm-hmm. Grant Gibson. So is this offensive line, like despite losing a top draft pick, do you think it will still be one of the strengths of this team? Yeah, and I mean, I think because one of the things that I've always said when it comes to um, the makeup for next year is that obviously I think that heading into next season, there's really two areas of concern that I have, and that's obviously the running back, uh, obviously with losing Ben Knight and Ricky Person, and then the offensive line, losing Nkwanu. But one thing which I know already is that Dorn does a great job finding talent, not only in recruiting, but also, too, on the transfer uh, portal as well. I mean, obviously, um, we lost the two uh, – in 2020, we lost Lee McNeil, our best defensive player, in my opinion. We replaced him with Corey Durden, who was a transfer from Florida State. You know, filled that role very easily. Um, you know, we obviously got a transfer from Marshall to help with the cornerback area. We brought in uh, Cyrus Fagan to help with the safety area. So I think he does a great job filling holes with great talent that can easily jump in there and fill those gaps. So to me, honestly, one of the things that really will speak to me is what does Dorn do? If he doesn't go after or if he doesn't get a offensive tackle transfer, that to me feels like that he's very confident with the offensive line he has. And I mean, I know that for those who have seen, but maybe for those who haven't seen yet uh, our spring game, one of the biggest takeaways that I had was between uh, Tim McKay and, and uh, two of the other options that we had to fill that offensive tackle spot. Um, they played well. I mean, they protected well and, and they seemed to gel together. And I mean, obviously getting four out of the five back, you know, the biggest thing you hope is just let's just find that fifth piece and then we're back to where we were. Um, but, you know, between uh, just like you said, Chandler Zabala, who I think is going to be our best run blocker offensive lineman that we have to have him back. And, yeah, just like you said, the NCAA finally got something right. Thank goodness for that. Um, and, you know, with the return of Dylan Buman and uh, uh, Grant Gibson, who I think is an undervalued uh, offensive lineman in ACC, uh, that should be for, for a great setup, at least in the middle. And then just, you know, got to figure out what to do with that left side. But um, if Doran doesn't fill that hole, then I feel like that that speaks, that should speak a lot to NC State fans. And looking over now to the defensive side of the ball, another spot where the pack return a ton and the linebacking core, obviously yes. what we love to rave about Peyton Wilson, who's coming back, Isaiah Moore, Drake Thomas, some of the key depth pieces, I mean, how much wonders mm-hmm. does this just amazing linebacking room do for this NC State roster? Well, I mean, obviously, you know, anybody knows football enough knows, I mean, like, that the, the linebacking core is the quarterback of the defense. I mean, that's that. those are the guys that run the show. Those are the guys that are making the calls. Those are the guys that, that the defense overall relies on to make the plays when needed. And, you know, obviously, one of the biggest examples I would say to really kind of show how – talented and deep and how strong this linebacking core is, is that literally when preseason-wise, Peyton Wilson was pretty much unanimously the preseason AC defense player of the year. He gets injured. Then Isaiah Moore gets in the conversation for AC defensive player of the year. He gets injured. And then Drake Thomas, all of a sudden, he's getting getting talked about, uh, you know, as a defensive player of the year possibility. So uh, to literally go for basically your first, your second, and your third string linebacker, and all three of them at some point or another during last season were in the talks for AC defensive player of the year, just shows how deep and how how strong this linebacking core is. But I mean, even then, after even after that, we still have some young guys that we feel very confident in that. You know, God forbid, you know, knocking on whatever here, some should happen that, uh, you know, that we feel very confident, you know, that could step in there and, and play some decent minutes for us. So, uh, 
again, very excited, you know, at least from the linebacker side. But defense overall, I think, is going to be our strong suit, which overall, especially early in, in, in Doran's uh, tenure as he State, was not the case. Uh, so, uh, you know, it, it's, it's been great to see, specifically over the last two years, that our past defense has gotten better and better. Um, and especially with the ACC and, and, and uh, the, I think that, and I would love to hear your thoughts on this too, you know, Dan, but I think that this year honestly could be, the ACC could have the strongest quarterback group in the entire country. I mean, between, uh, uh, you know, obviously starting off, with, well, I wouldn't really even say DJ Uyangale, but, you know, between Tyler Van Dyke, uh, between the, the transfer they brought in for Pitt, um, then Brennan Armstrong, Devin Leary. Uh, I mean, I think you, those are some really good quarterbacks that can make some noise, not only just ACC, but the, but the country in general. Oh, yeah, I've said this before. I think the ACC has – I thought this last year as well. I think they have the greatest group of quarterbacks in the of all the conferences in the entire country. And I think the ACC will actually improve mm-hmm. as a whole next year just because the defenses will be better. And you could argue like sometimes mm-hmm. to a certain extent like poor defenses – for the most part in the ACC, inflated these quarterback stats. But I still think that the quarterbacks in the ACC are better than any other conference in the country. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely i am 100% committed to that statement. Leighton, you opened this segment by saying that you were slightly hesitant, or at least NC State fans are slightly hesitant to buy into the hype that NC State is getting this offseason. So... By chance, if this team does end up falling short of their possibilities, of their ceiling this year once again, what would be the reason for that mm-hmm. happening? Ooh, that's a good question, Dan. Um, you know, I mean, obviously for us, one of the things that has plagued us, unfortunately, over the last couple of years is injuries, uh, specifically back in 2020. You know, obviously losing Peyton Wilson the last two years. Uh, Devin Leary had that, you know, terrible injury back in 2020. Uh, um, so, I mean, I would say, I mean, you know, it's kind of a, you know, kind of a get out of jail free car excuse a little bit. But I would say, first of all, injuries, uh, you know, if we, especially losing, you know, Devin. Not that we don't necessarily have faith in Ben Finley, who's our backup, presumably. But uh, just, again, he's just not on the same level we get that the Devin Leary is. But um, I would say, honestly, if I had to guess, I would say looking back at those two weaknesses, so looking at the running back and the offensive line. So I would say really last year, I, I think if I, if I remember correctly, we only had um, two – we, we only – okay, we had, we had 11 uh, rushing touchdowns total. So we averaged less than one rushing touchdown per game. Uh, so And I think that's something that if we're going to compete with the best, we need to diversify the offense a little bit and uh, be a little bit more of a threat. Uh, running the ball so I think that that if you had to ask me I would say that um, if uh, basically teams are able to focus in and and basically force us to to run the ball and we're not able to adjust for that appropriately that would be that would probably be my guess honestly Um, I mean obviously uh, between Jordan Houston we feel very confident that he can be a dynamic uh, running back for us but Obviously, with some of the guys like uh, Demi Sumo, who's gotten a ton, a ton, a ton of hype uh, out, coming out of camp. Um, you know, obviously, there's some options there, and I, and, and, and I wouldn't be even throw it out there that we uh, could possibly see a transfer come in from the running back side as well that could help uh, fill a gap. Um, but so that for, for the time being, that's the two things I would say is either injuries 
where we don't we're not able to diversify into the running game more than we should. All right, so Leighton, the last thing, because I always, every time I have a guest on to analyze a specific team, I always ask them this question, even though we are pretty far out from the regular season. Do you have yep. like a most likely record prediction, a floor, a ceiling, et cetera? Yeah. Just, what do you have? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, for me, you know, for me this year, honestly, like last last year, my bar was pretty much set at 10 wins. I think that last year that we were good enough and uh like specifically clemson was showed signs of weakness and and with the clemson game being at home enough i felt like 10 wins was was easily what, what should be doable and obviously you know for for me personally i i claim the the bowl game as a as a win uh even though maybe some don't or or whatever it is so, so i i say that we've got that goal but i'm um, looking at this year i i'm i i say that acc championship appearance at the very least uh, should be the goal. Obviously, that's the reason why Tanner Engel, Devin Carter, all these guys came back was to win a championship. And uh, so, I think that with this team, with the strength that it has, that we should be we should be there. Um, so, in terms of a a ceiling, I mean, I'm not looking at I, I, I mean, looking at the schedule, I don't see a single team where I feel like that we're you know behind eight ball against or we're we should be an underdog against. So, I mean, the ceiling, I would say, I mean, like if we're just like balling out and everything goes at, according to plan, I mean, 12 and 0 is definitely not off, off the plate by any means or stretch of the measure. I mean, for me, I'm circling the Clemson game at Clemson. I'm circling, circling the Wake Forest game. As those are going to be the two biggest games uh, in terms of uh, from a competitive perspective. But I mean, for, for us here in North Carolina, we're looking at that first game at East Carolina going, that's going to be a, a litmus test that maybe isn't really visible in terms of from the national level but for all of us here in north carolina we know that at ecu is very tough to for to win for any acc team so definitely circle that one so 12 and 0 i would say is the peak acc championship and then the bottom i would say lose to clemson lose to wake forest and then between uh like unc uh louisville and maybe Boston College. Um, I would say that maybe we blow one of those, so maybe a 9-3. and three. Uh, that, That's kind of what I see. I see I see a floor of like a 9-3 and, and then a, a, a peak of 12-0. of 12 and 0. So, I mean, it's crazy to talk about that. I'm sitting here talking that our floor is 9-3 and three here because, I mean, for any other year, that would usually be our, our peak. But, I mean, that that's really where I feel right now, just to, in terms of looking at this team, looking at the ACC, wherever we should stand. Yeah, it's really great to see now the national media kind of pick up on this NC State hype as well. But, uh, Leighton, thank you so much for your insight. Just before you go, let us know where we could check out all your stuff and your Twitter handle and all that. Yeah, so uh, so for those who want to find us, uh, our main area is on YouTube. And so if you just uh, search for Tuffy Talk, uh, you should be able to find us pretty easily. Uh, can't miss the logo, hopefully. And then... Uh, <laughs> From the uh, from Facebook side as well, you, you can find us by searching Tuffy Talk as well. But uh, in terms of social media, other social media, you can find us on uh, Twitter, Instagram at Tuffy Talk Now instead of Tuffy Talk at Tuffy Talk Now on Twitter or Instagram, and uh, follow us there for uh, all NC State stuff. And again, just trying to always keep keep uh, keep the fans and the faithful uh, up to date, and uh, also too positive as well. Because one thing I want to say as well is that not only for football, but for uh, athletics in general, um, things are going really well for NC State right now. And so one of the things we always try to do is really try and shed some light 
on to all the sports right now that are, are really doing, showing some really great things right now. But thank you so much, Dan, for having me on. I really do appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. This has been Leighton Smith yep. from Tough Go Talk. back. Talking NC State football. So good stuff from Leighton. And uh, that will do it for today's show. Appreciate you guys listening. Appreciate our guests. This Today's guests were Matt Majinski from CB Review and Leighton Smith from Tuffy Talk. But that will do it for today. You have been listening to the Dan Siegel Show. Thank you for your continued support of our content here at Pipeline. Be sure to follow me at Dan Siegel ACC Content on Twitter and subscribe to our show. Maybe even leave us a five-star review if you're feeling generous. Once again, this is Dan Siegel signing off.